Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tell us about the receipts you are keeping. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Back on the fan. So the other thing Fleas and I were talking about before we get back to your calls here, 877-337-6666. On the topic of, you know, as Susan brought up before, she feels good as a Met fan because the Phillies got no hit. But would you, I mean, how bad is it to be in the World Series and watch your team get no hit in the ballpark? Think about that. And one of my producers at SNY for Baseball Night in New York, Sean Gelman's a huge Philly guy, big Eagles fan, big uh, uh, Phillies fan, and was going to you know consider going to these games. I think he actually might have had free tickets, but the game got moved, so then he couldn't go. And he's like, ah, it's game four anyway. I'd rather go to the, either the first game, game three, or the potential clincher in game five. Turns out to be a good move. But how about all those people who actually paid thousands of dollars or whatever it was to get in, to go witness Game 4 of the World Series, and then you watch the team get no hit? Wow. I've been to some bad games. Crushing games. Deflating games. Humiliating games. But a no-hitter in the World Series? Combine or not. I mean, that is... And you have nothing to cheer for all night long when you get no hit. That might be as bad as it gets. And you'd rather say, well, at least you're at the World Series and in a World Series game. No, but the higher you go, the more painful it becomes with the loss or the embarrassment, in this case, of the no-hitter. Not to mention the actual price that you pay to get into the game. That's something that, oh, man, 
I know when, you know, 10, 15 years back, oh, remember they got no hit? Yeah, I was at that game. In the negative aspect of it, as opposed to, oh, my God, you remember that great game in the World Series you went to? Win or lose, you know, that that's part of it. Getting no hit? Wow. That is, that's rough. I would be fuming. Imagine Mets or Yankees in the World Series and there was a no-hitter against you that you went to? Bad enough if it happens on the road. At least you could deal with it a little bit better. You know, if the Yankees got no-hit by the Dodgers in the World Series in Los Angeles, it would suck. But you could deal with it. If it happened at Yankee Stadium, that's a problem. And obviously, same for the Mets. If the Mets got no hit by the Astros in the World Series in Houston, all right, that's embarrassing. Get them tomorrow. But if it happened at City Field and fans are excited and pumped up to go out there, that is, that's got to be one of the worst ways you could lose a big time sporting event. No hit. Shutout's bad, but no hit. Right. And a combined one, as Fleas brought up before, you could accept it more so if it were, hey, you know what? This guy was just on. It was a historic performance, a stud performance by the ace. He shut us down. Nothing we could do about it. You tip your cap and move on. Where generally, you know, back in the old days, where that used to be the case with no hitters. Roy Holiday, hey, there's no nobody was touching him tonight. Whoever, pick a pitcher. Nobody was touching this guy tonight. But the fact that you can't get a hit off of one of four different pitchers shows you, too, the inconsistency in the sport. I mean, the Phillies were as hot as you can possibly be. We were just saying this morning or yesterday morning that, hey, look at the Phillies offense against this Astros pitching staff compared to the Yankees. What was it, 19 runs or something like that in, in three games or 17 runs in three games, and the Yankees had nine and four? The high-octane, high-flying Phillies offense goes out there and gets no hit a night after obliterating Lance McCullers and the Strohs. 877-337-6666. Bill is calling from Long Island. What's up, Bill? Hey, Sal. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. What's up, Bill? Okay, Sal. Um, I, I agree with you. The, the, this thing with the pitches and not being able to pitch more than five or six innings I grew up in the 70s watching Tom Seaver and them. These guys, I don't even remember them talking about even a pitch count. So, Sal, my question to you is this. Since they can't, since they, since this is what they're doing, and this is the way baseball is, are they really worth these tremendous contracts? Or should they, or should, should there be some sort of a discount on these guys because of what they could only pitch once a week. Well, you talk, are you talking about starters? You're talking about starters yeah, in general? About, yeah, I'm, talking, I'm talking about the starters. That, that drives me crazy. They get Like you were saying tonight, this guy's getting taken out on a no-hitter. You've got to be crazy. So what I'm saying is, are they, you know, these guys, are they worth that much money? Like, I, I don't know if the Brom is going to be worth $200 million or whatever we want to give him. If he can't go more than five or six innings, it's just the, the turn that baseball's taken. I was just wondering what you what your thoughts were. Uh, I think it's a great point, Bill, and thank you for the call, where you look at the overall value that you would be getting if you sign. And DeGrom's a great example because he is going to be a free agent and he's going to want a lot of money. 
He's going to want roughly, what, $45 million a year around there. And there have been health issues. So the starts are limited to begin with. You're talking about 30 starts a year at best. How many in those 30 starts is he going to go more than six innings? When you break it down, I think that, and that's why I say the Mets need to go in a different direction as far, not from away from DeGrom specifically, but more so to build a powerful lineup. They already have a top pitcher in Scherzer. You don't need two of those guys. You need one. Now, it's nice to have a number one and a number two starter. The Mets have two ones. Balance it out a little bit because the difference in price should help you be able to go out there and get a bigger bat for, say, $25 million or whatever it may be. You could get two players. Get a number two guy that you could pay $25, $30 million and go get a bat that you could pay similar. Now you're getting two players basically for the price of one. And in DeGrom's case, you have a guy who's not thrilled being here, not sure how much he wants to be here, a guy who has not been healthy in two years, and a guy who's going to want a lot of money. Now, I, you and I can say, well, we wouldn't pay him that or whatever, but he's worth, these players are worth whatever somebody's going to pay him. And there's a reason why Max Scherzer got, you know, $43 million a year. The Mets needed them. They wanted them. They wanted that to be their guy. Maybe insurance for Jacob DeGrom. Maybe just an addition, figuring the one-two punch. And remember, you forget how things changed because the beginning of last year, it was all about building that pitching staff. And the Mets were saying, and everybody was saying going in, oh, the Mets could win it all with that staff, with that one-two punch in a short series in the postseason. Scherzer, DeGrom, they have good as good a chance as anybody. Now, it turned out that those two guys, and maybe not DeGrom, but the the pitching did not live up to their end of the bargain. That's what cost them. Ironically, all the talk about the lineup, all the talk about the bullpen, the fact that the Mets starters, mainly Scherzer and Bassett, but you could throw in DeGrom in Atlanta, but those starters did not do their job. And they chose to build a top-heavy rotation. That was the strength of their team. I understand the importance of pitching. I've always been a guy who's valued great pitching more so than the offense. But I think it's changed now. And it's changed with the Mets as well. Or it should change with the Mets as well. Enough with the top-heavy pitching. You still have Scherzer. That's a great start atop your rotation. Very few can match that. Now, I'm not opposed to bringing DeGrom back, but it's got to be at the right price. And to get back to your initial point, are these guys overpaid? Probably, but whatever somebody's willing to give them is what they're worth at that particular moment. And if you don't feel, or the Mets in this case don't feel like they want to go to $200 million or whatever it may be to get to Grom back, then that's on them. But when you actually break it down and think about how much you're paying for a player who is going to contribute, I mean, at best, seven innings every five days. And more often than not, five or six innings every five days. If he makes every start, 
which doesn't happen, think about all that money that you're wasting, which is why I say you'd rather go get Aaron Judge and give him $40 million a year. At least you know you're going to get a guy that's going to contribute every day. If he stays healthy, and look, any player could get hurt, so there's always that if, but it does seem to happen more often with pitchers. But with Judge, you know he's going to give you four at-bats every night. He's going to be impacting the game at least. And you know, we're not talking about just the, we're not talking about uh, defense. We're talking about the offense here. He's going to be impacting the game with four at-bats a night. Isn't that worth more? And then you want to get into the rare breed of Shohei Otani, who, by the way, we did not touch on this yesterday, but Andy Martino reported earlier in the week, I think it was now on Tuesday, that the Angels are not going to trade Shohei Otani anytime soon, which means he is off the market, the preseason market, as far as trades may go. And if he does become available, the Mets will be in on him, as they should be, as should everybody. But as of now, the Angels are going to keep Otani, so the Mets have to look elsewhere to get that big bat and fill out that rotation. He's a guy, Otani, I think you can make a legit case, is worth $100 million a year. What he brings as far as marketing and entertainment purposes alone, plus the fact that he's a top pitcher, plus the fact that he's a top bat, I mean, his caliber pitcher is going to get close to $40 million a year. His caliber bat is going to be, you know, 30 Plus million a year. And maybe he gets 80 or something like that per year. But if I'm him, I'm saying, you know what? I want to be the first $100 million player a year. Three years, $300 million. And then see where you stand after that. It's not crazy. Especially if you project moving forward. Where a player like him potentially could be worth $50 million a year. both pitching and offense. Anyway, the Mets are going to have to look elsewhere to bring in that big bat. It's going to be a fascinating, and I know right now is a little bit of a downtime as far as free agency goes. It, it of course, you know, there'll be once the World Series ends, there's that five-day window, and then it's just going to be the, you know, free agent frenzy, and it's not going to happen all at once. Sometimes, you know, baseball drags these things out. It's not baseball, but it's on, but the free agents don't decide to sign until January or February whenever it may be, but yeah, we'll learn more in particular with the Yankees on Friday where Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone will meet the media. That should be fun. My only issue with that is do they have to do it Friday? Can't they do it today? Why tomorrow? I want to be able to react to it. I'll be in bed when they're on uh, doing their uh, press conference. I mean, I'll react to it on TV later on that day on SNY at 6, But, hell, I could use that content now for radio. But it's not just DeGrom and the Mets or Edwin Diaz or Otani or Brandon Nemo. It's obviously the Yankees and Aaron Judge and seeing how not only could they potentially bring their guy back with Aaron Judge, but how were they going to improve their ball club? And there's a lot of different ways to do it. You get the feeling, too, that the trade market for both the New York teams, is going to be a way to go here. I get the sense that Epler and Cashman will be making a big deal or two. 
And a lot of times, you know, we just look at the free agents or we look at some of the obvious guys, but a lot of times, like Chris Bassett, for example, last year. Well, nobody really thought Chris Bassett was going to be available, but the Mets went out there and acquired him. Now, unfortunately, they did. The way that Bassett finished up in Atlanta and then against the pods in the wild card. Unfortunately, they made that acquisition, but Bassett was good all year long. Took them out, made his starts, was a solid performer for them all year. That's got to be worth something. Not enough in my mind, but it's worth something. Anyway, that was a trade. So there are ways to upgrade the ball club that we may not be seeing at this particular point. Obviously, the teams at the trade deadline are going to make trades and you know try to upgrade their team then, but I'm talking about going into the year, in the offseason. It's not just about free agency, although that will be a significant part. And I really think both teams need to do a little bit of each. I think they need to have a big trade that can, the Yankees especially, that can change the look and feel of that team, maybe some of the core guys of that team. And the Mets are going to have to build any which way they can to try to bring in power. Now, right now, the Mets don't have a rotation. Mets don't have a bullpen. And their lineup is lacking power. So they have a lot to do. It's your turn to cause trouble. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Got it back on the fan. One thing that's really annoying me, and I don't even hate the Phillies. I've I've said that. I mean, look, do I hate the Phillies overall? Sure. This particular team, I don't have. I have a hard time hating them. I was. I find myself rooting for Philadelphia. Well, let me rephrase that. I find myself rooting for the Phillies. I can't root for Philadelphia, but I find myself rooting for the Phillies because I like Bryce Harper. Um, how can you not want to root for? Zach Wheeler, after you know him being a Met for a while, and it wasn't him that bolted. It was the Mets that didn't want him. Uh, Robbie Thompson is a good story. Kyle Schwarber, a likable guy. Real Muto, a guy I wanted forever. So uh, this Phillies team, Marsh seems like a guy who, if he's, you know, he's a gamer. They're a likable group, and the crowd is just electric. Now, it wasn't last night, but overall, it's been electric. One thing, though... That has been annoying me with the Phillies is Noah Syndergaard. And for some reason, Syndergaard continues to have this. Uh, I don't know if it's a chip on his shoulder. He, he's obsessed with the Mets, whether it was when he was with the Angels, taking shots at the Mets on Twitter or avoiding the Mets in the season as far as not wanting to face them. Then he gets traded to the Phillies, of course, and now Syndergaard finds himself in the World Series. And Syndergaard continues to tweak the Mets fan with every move he makes. It's like he really is obsessed. I think he wants to be a Met. I think there's some kind of obsession with either the fan base or the organization. And it's honestly, it's unhealthy. But Syndergaard, the latest, was that Chase Utley threw out the first pitch yesterday. And before I get into that, let me just say that Chase Utley is one of two athletes, the other being Roger Clemens, that if I ever saw in person 
You know, sometimes it's like, oh, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, cool, all good. No. Those two, I would have to call out. No, I'm not going to physically assault them because I don't do that. I'm a lover, not a fighter. But verbally, I can't can't tell you that, that I won't assault them verbally. Is Clemens, he deserves what's coming to him. It's been over 20 years and still hasn't gotten proper retribution. Or at least the Met fan has not gotten proper retribution on Roger Clemens. Same with Chase Utley. Hasn't been as long, but Utley's a dirtbag. Great player, dirtbag of a player. Dirt, dirty player, dirtbag of a guy. And Syndergaard... Knowing the history, of course, who, yet again, Syndergaard, more like Sean Estes. Where Estes could not hit Roger Clemens properly. And I was at that game, and I remember looking at it from the back row of the Loge at Shea. Waiting for Clemens to get drilled by Sean Estes. Of course, he threw behind him and couldn't do it. Oh, yeah, Estes did hit a home run, though. Big deal. I wanted to see Clemens laying on his back. Just like he made Piazza do. That's what I wanted to see. Anyway, and then Syndergaard, fast forward, what, 15 years later or whatever it is. This is back in 2016. Uh, I forget the exact timeline. Was it 2001 or 2002 with the Estes-Clemens thing? Anyway, it was 02, right. So 15, I don't know. So, and the, and the Utley thing was 2016. Anyway. Many years later, Syndergaard comes up and is supposed to get retribution for Ruben Tata on Chase Utley. Another game I was at. That was I was at that game because they were celebrating the 86 World Series, the honoring the 86 World Series team. And Syndergaard throws behind them again, naturally. Not as bad as Sean Estes because Syndergaard, I really do think, wanted to hit him and he... You know, fired that thing in there. Estes wanted no part of it. Estes was scared. Syndergaard was not. You know, back at that time, it was actually good. Syndergaard actually had some some guts. And he could throw a fastball. But Syndergaard then throws behind him. Mets never get proper retribution. Syndergaard gets tossed. So there was history there. And then Syndergaard yesterday, A, when finding out that Chase Utley is throwing out the first pitch, said, and I don't know if he was joking or what, but I saw this on Twitter, said, oh, can I catch it? Which is like, come on, dude. Oh, can I catch it? You want to be out there catching Utley's first pitch? A, you're irrelevant in Philly's history. B, you're a a bleep. You're being a bleep. And for what reason? To tweak and annoy the Met fan? And then this quote, and this was a quote that he gave to Newsday's Tim Healy. Now, I didn't read the whole article because I don't have the subscription, but I saw um, a couple of tweets about it, and this one in particular had the quote on there where Healy, I guess, was talking about, you know, Syndergaard and his transition to the Phillies and then talking about uh, Utley throwing out that first pitch. And Syndergaard said, Utley is a tremendous talent, and I'm glad to be able to put on the same uniform as him. I mean, dude, come on. you're He's overly now... He's overdoing it. Who says that? Who says that? He's another player. Big deal. Oh, he's a tremendous talent, and I'm glad to be able to put on the same uniform as him. How do you think that makes Ruben Tejada feel? Or anybody on his 2015 team feel? Or 2016, for that matter? My, how the mighty have fallen. Noah Syndergaard 
once a terrific pitcher with the nickname Thor was a big presence on the mound. A guy who had more intestinal fortitude than most is now kissing the rear end of Chase Utley and the Phillies. And it matches, his new attitude matches the way that he pitches. It's soft and crappy. Screw you, Noah. You know, we mentioned the free agency with both the Mets and the Yankees. With Judge in particular, we're starting to get some more numbers from different spots. And it seems to be that the consensus now is looking. By the way, I'm not sure what's up with the phones. 877-337-6666. I'll tell you this. I'm not going to sit here and talk to myself till 5 a.m. That's just not going to happen. So either somebody starts calling or Fleegs, you're going to take over. I'm out of here. Um, But we talk about Judge and the numbers that it might take to get him. And I was estimating, initially I said, I'm not, if I'm Judge, I'm not taking less, a penny less than $300 million. And then it started to go up a little bit. It felt like 315, 320. And now I feel like it's back down to around maybe 300, 305 is where people are expecting the sweet spot for Aaron Judge to be with a contract. Either way, and the Giants apparently are going to be all in, and they're not going to be outbid for Aaron Judge. Either way, if I'm the Yankees, and I know that the Yankee fans want him back, and I know that they need Aaron Judge back, I get all that. I get how important he is to the team. However, you cannot overextend yourself if you truly don't believe that he's going to be worth whatever the money is that he wants. Let's just say the Yankees have their offer at $300 million, $304 million, whatever. That's the, however many one you seven, eight years, three hundred million. And the Giants come in and say, Well, we're gonna give him three fifty. If I'm the Yankees, I'm not budging. Now maybe I say, All right, I'll go up to three twenty. You have to have a drop dead number. Maybe the Yankees say, All right, let's go up to three twenty. But I'm not going to three fifty. And then put the ball in judges court and let him make the decision. Because you don't want to have the regret of, I knew he wasn't worth this much. And now I'm in the spot of giving it to him. And then he breaks down and you don't get the full value of the contract. And especially if Judge and that contract then prevent the Yankees from spending elsewhere. That's where you could get into a problem. And I'll tell you, as we go on. Each day here, and the rumors and rumblings continue, and you start to hear about the other teams interested. And I I can't wait to hear from Cashman and Boone on Friday, because I'm sure it'll come up with Judge. But the more, and I always felt this way, that the Yankees were not going to give the highest offer. And the more I think about it, the more I get the feel that it is a real possibility Judge bolts for more money elsewhere. Because I I firmly believe the Yanks are going to have a set number. And I also firmly believe the Giants and maybe another mystery team, knowing that they have to blow Judge out of the water to be able to get him away from the Yankees, I think there's going to be that offer there. So then it comes down to, if you think the Yankees are going to be sticking to their guns or at least close to it, and another team's going to blow Judge out of the water, is Judge going to take the most money 
or is he going to come back and don the pinstripes and eventually become Yankee captain? Those are the things he has to weigh. I don't know which way he's going to go, but I will say that the majority of players take the money. But I think that's ultimately where we're going to go. Whether it's 305, 350, whatever, you know, wherever the Yankees' ceiling is, somebody's going to have to come in 25, 30, maybe 50 million more. And I think they're going to do it. Now, let's get in some calls here. Mets, Yanks, Hot Stove, whatever else you want to discuss. Knicks, World Series. We get into the Nets as well. I did the Kyrie Irving stuff yesterday. He apologized. I'm not buying the apology. The Nets, they handle it the wrong way. There's really, what more is there to say on Kyrie Irving and the Nets other than they completely butchered the handling of this, of an ugly situation. Now, I'm glad he at least apologized, but it doesn't really mean anything to me. And now it's going to be about will the Nets go out there and hire Udoka, and then will they be able to turn it around? But either way, the Nets are a laughing stock and an embarrassment of an organization uh, as we've been saying for the last couple of days. 877-337-6666. Sal is calling from Jackson, New Jersey. What's up, Sal? Sal, how you doing this morning? Good morning, Sal. How are you? All right. How much longer can we stand the same dog and pony show in the Bronx cash and boom? We they got to start making the, the right moves. I know I know. Hal's not like his dad where he'll, he'll go out and grab everybody, but... Something's got to get done about that infield. You know, we need a, an outfielder. Hicks can't hit anything to the six anymore. Something's got to be done. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, they're going to – see, here's the issue. Step one, Sal, Cashman and Boone are going to be back. I mean, they're meeting the media Friday. So then step two is going to be, well, how is Cashman going to change this team and take that leap to get them to the level of the Astros or the – you know, the, the teams that are going to get better, you would think that the Blue Jays, potentially the Red Sox, all going to get better this year. Who knows anybody else? Maybe the Guardians get a little bit better. But how are the Yankees themselves going to improve and try to close the gap? That's right. I, I don't think IKF is the answer. It's short. I mean, if you want to spend money, don't grab Trey Turner. Throw him at shortstop. I, I, I don't know about Flavor Torres. I, I think, you know, how much longer the, you know we took on Gary Sanchez project and finally got rid of him. Right. I think Glaber's that next. I, I think you're talking about him next. Now, let's say that the Yankees go with Peraza at short, but sign Trey Turner to play second. I would love that move for the Yankees. Oh, that's 100% agreeable on that one. And then trade Glaber Torres. And I don't know what you'd be getting back for him or what the Yankees would want necessarily in return. But the, the Yankees, put it this way. It's going to be a mix of trades and spending money. And if this were the, I, I hate to reference it, but here we go again. If this were the old Yankees that I grew up hating and George was running things, they would be in the conversation, whether it's Carlos Correa, whether it's Trey Turner, they would be involved in those talks. I, I don't believe that that's going to be the case with this team. Exactly. Yes. We're never going to see, and I say it on my talk show, we're never going to see another Yankees dynasty like we did in the 90s. Do you, say, do you say it like that on your talk show, or do you say it with a little more fire and passion? A little more fire and passion. Yeah, I mean, you got to bring it, Sal. You better make sure you bring it when you're doing that talk show. And we appreciate you we appreciate checking in, Sal. Thanks for the call, and good luck with your show. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally different. It's, in my mind, and this is why it's bizarro world, I feel like the Mets are a possibility for anybody except for Judge. I don't think that Judge is realistic. Mets aren't going to go down that road 
with Judge. They're going to let the Yankees handle their guy and go elsewhere. It's unfortunate, and I get why Steve Cohen wants to do that, but, I mean, Judge is the best player. If he were coming from another team, everybody would be saying, you got to go get Judge. And if he's going to leave anyway, but I guess the theory is if he's going to leave New York, or if he's going to leave the Yankees, that means he's leaving New York. He's going to go home. Anyway, the feel is the Mets are involved or potentially involved on any possibility or any player in particular. Whereas the Yankees, it's like, hmm, well, they're not going to be in on these guys. No, I don't know about that guy. Correa, no. Turner, no. They're going to be in maybe on the lesser guys or on a cheaper move the way that they were last year with Josh Donaldson and Connor Falefa. They're going to bring up Peraza and have him be the shortstop. Maybe get creative and make some other moves. Maybe they don't. I mean, they always have the the power to go out there and spend. They are the Yankees. They don't have to always settle for the uh, for the bronze. And you know, I know a tweet was uh, a couple of tweets that were going viral, but one with um, Brian Hoke about uh, the Yankees at the time back in 2019, saying that they don't see Bryce Harper as a fit because they had six outfielders at the time. Not going to play first base, blah, 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 blah. Huge mistake. Huge, huge mistake. That offseason, when the Yankees did not even think to go after Machado or Bryce Harper, that was the beginning. That was the first sign that these Yankees are different. And it's not a coincidence that in the course of this timeline here, from 2017 on, they went and got John Carl Stanton. They didn't get in on Machado or Harper. Last year, they didn't get in on the top free agency. Yes, I know they signed Garrett Cole, but, I mean, that was a layup. That was Cashman's white whale. They had to go out there and get Garrett Cole and get that top-of-the-rotation pitcher that they just could not find. That was a no-brainer. But outside of that, they're not spending the way that they normally would. And I don't see how they get back to where they once were without spending the way that they used to. James is calling from Jericho. What's up, James? What's up, Sal? I agree with you regarding um, you know both teams. Like you said, the Mets and the Yankees probably going to need to do a little mixing of both. I'm a Mets fan regarding signing some guys and some trades. Um, if I pack McCann's suitcase, will you drive him to the airport? What because time? I don't want, what time is his flight? Exactly. So let's get rid of him. That's the front. I just can't stand to see him in a Met uniform. Can you believe they fun. chose Real Muto? Uh, they chose him over Real Muto. Now I get nauseous every time I watch the Phillies play in this World Series, or even when I watch them play against the Mets. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how you can make that. How anybody, any any scout, can look at that and think that at any point in McCann's career he was better than Real Muto. And Real Muto, from what I understand, wanted to even come here. So, well, know, they again, were that's, doing that's, it. They did it because they thought they were getting a good value on a young catcher that was going to rise and a catcher in Real Muto was maybe going to be on the decline and not have to overpay, and they outsmarted themselves. Instead of just going, hey, he's the best catcher, let's sign him, and then they didn't even take that extra money and spend it on Springer. So many wrong moves by then-general manager or Sandy Alderson, whatever he was at the time, technically, I guess, the Might president. Yeah, was it, um, oh, what's, what was the other guy's name, the GM, that had, got, we, we got rid of him? because you had to Yeah, um, uh, Jared something, was oh, it? Van Wagenen, Van Wagenen. Oh, no, 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 this was after Van Wagenen. Oh, this was when, was oh, it Porter? Right. 
I don't even know if what, what's his name was there. Was poor. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. Fleek Santa. It was it was basically yeah. Sandy running the show. Cohen okay. got Cohen took over as owner, hired Sandy as team president, and he was running the show for that beginning period there, that offseason. Yeah. And then when you, and regarding the trades, I mean, we do have, you know, what are you going to do with Vientos? What are you going to do with Beatty? I know Alvarez can obviously take the catching position. What are you going to do with Ronnie Mauricio at shortstop when you got, um, you know, Lindor clogging it? For the, well, not clogging it, but you know what I mean. He, he had a great year. But so there, there's some of that um, equity there that you can use in a trade. And <laughs> the funny thing is, Every, one thing, can you name somebody that was in our farm system that we traded for, let's just say, in the Seattle deal? Yeah, we shouldn't have got Cano back, but we got, uh, you know, uh, Diaz. Mm-hmm. That, that's, uh, I can't remember what that player's name is right now off the top of my head, but I, mean, I, I don't think he's. Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what if he no, does? He's not done, he's he's not done much yet. And, and look, you got to give it time, whether it's him or Pete Crow Armstrong, and that's the one that's bothered them that they traded Pete Crow Armstrong for Javi Baez. And, and this is the bigger issue, yeah. James. And and thank you for the call. Appreciate you checking in. The bigger issue last year. Sorry, I got a candy. Hold on, let me spit this candy on you. There's, everybody brings in Halloween candy, and I'm usually not a sucker for it. But these candies, those hard fruit candies, oh my god, they're delicious. I had like six of them the other night, and then just on my walk before to the bathroom, I noticed that there was one left in the bowl. I was like, all right, well, I guess it's mine. Um, and I was like, how am I going to, I'm not going to spit it out. It was only like a three, four minute break. So I'm going to try to do the talk show with it. And then I got down in the end and I couldn't, couldn't manage anymore. Uh, anyway, where were we with the Mets? My issue last year was, look, there were many issues with the trade deadline, but the biggest issue was that because they got burnt with Javi Baez the year before the deadline trading Pete Crow Armstrong. They were reluctant this year to trade any of those prospects. That bothered me because you shouldn't let a move last year impact this year. Last year's was a mistake. It doesn't mean you now make a mistake this year by not going all in. They had it backwards. This year was the year to go all in. Last year was not. But they let the last year screw up impact this year, which led to another screw up. And I do think the Mets are going to be looking to part with some of these guys because there's no room for everybody. And I don't know how much they like Vientos or what his future is or where Mauricio is going to play, but I'm tired of hearing about everybody and not having an impact. At some point, they're going to be ready to either come up to the big leagues or get shipped out. And I think the time for some of them is coming. And I fully expect Beatty to be a regular contributor at the major league level this year. I don't know if it's going to be to start the year as the everyday third baseman. And maybe they move Eduardo Escobar. Maybe they keep Escobar and have him DH a little bit when Beatty's ready to come up. You know, there are different ways the Mets could build the ball club here. Andy Martino was talking yesterday about how, you know, Epler's going to be active, or maybe this is two days ago, but either way, Epler's going to be active in the trade market. The Mets, you know, they were acquiring about Otani, but that's not going to happen. So... The Mets have talked to a bunch of other teams as well. And then I started thinking, and I said this on the show, well, Epler does know that to trade for someone, you actually have to give something up, right? And if it's not going to be the prospects, who are the Mets trading? Well, Mark Canna? I mean, who are they? Where are the Mets trading anybody? Well, that's, that's the issue. Now, I love the trades fascinate me, but... Be curious to see who would go and what they'd be looking to get back. 
It's going to be a great offseason for both these teams, as should be the norm moving forward. Should be exciting for both these teams. The Yankees got to get back to being the Yankees, and the Mets right now under Steve Cohen are a different franchise. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Your official station to talk Yankees. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Fleet, did I have some fun off the air? Luck in sports is a huge. And, and Fleet, the reason why people don't like to either acknowledge it or admit it that luck is a big factor is because there is no, there, there's no tangible reason for it. It's just well, it's luck. But that is, I mean, it's happened whether it's with Jeffrey Mayer in right field. Whether it's with Bill Buckner booting a ball, I mean, think about the luck, and those are just obviously two examples we, we were referencing before. Tom Brady, you know, if Mo Lewis doesn't knock Drew Bledsoe out, Tom Brady or the Tuck Rule. I mean, luck is such a huge part of sports, and with the Knicks case falling short with Steph Curry one pick away, John Morant one pick away. I always think if you know, Asante Samuel doesn't drop the interception, then Eli Manning can never make the one of the two plays of his career. The tie replay where he escapes and throws mm-hmm. it downfield, and who knows? Probably the Manningham throw doesn't happen four years later. I think fans think of it when you say there was luck involved. They get defensive, and then it's a knock. But no, listen, there's not a team that's ever won a championship that didn't get some help with luck along the way. That's just the reality of how sports works. It could be a, a call going your way. There's so it, it could be injury luck that your team was right. healthy at the right time. There's so many things, and it's impacted every single championship team in the history of the sport of sports. And like you mentioned, the Mets, yeah, at one point, they got lucky that Bill Buckner doesn't feel that ball. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe Mookie beats him to the bag anyway. We'll never know. Every team, at one point or another, if they played however many games, if it's football, if they play 19, 20 games to get to a championship, in baseball, if they're playing over 170, winning over 170 games to win a World Series, 
yes, there was luck involved at some point. And you can't. And that's t- not a. That's every. It, it's not a knock on you. It's everybody. Right. You can't tell me that the Mets weren't. Uh, you know, were were not unlucky a little bit this year with the way that it went in September down the stretch with Starling Marte. What if the What if the Wilpons react to the Madoff thing right away? It crushed them financially, and they try to sell the team, even if they wait maybe a couple years. 2015, 2016, they decide to sell the team, and Steve Cohen takes over then. Yeah, I mean, the Mets... I mean, there's, you can do, and again, you could do these what-ifs with everybody in every sport. I get that, but luck is always a factor. And like you said, there's it's not tangible, something we can really point to and say, well, if this happened definitively, that's in the rarest of cases, but luck is always a factor in sports. You've got to be... Sometimes they always say, what, it's better to be lucky than good. Now, you also got to make your own breaks and put yourself in position... To succeed, and I was joking before. In position about, to benefit from the well, luck. Well, right, and I was talking about the Yankees dynasty before, but like Jeffrey Mayer, all right, well, Jeter hit the ball to the wall in right field. He put himself in a position to where the Yankees, you know what, they could benefit by that. It was a close call, and, and I'm not saying, obviously, that's why the Yankees you know, became a dynasty or, or anything like that, but it, it was a part of it, and the Yankees used to get a lot of calls during that run. Hey, that, that happens. So have other teams. No, the Red Sox during their comeback in 04. You don't think that they were lucky during that? I mean, come on. Of course they were. Luck is such a big part of it. Health is a, a huge thing, too. And you're right. You're lucky if you remain healthy. That's a huge part of things. And the Yankees were not this year. Ben Attendee out. LeMayu out. That hurt him. Luck is a major factor in sports. I mean, the, the Mets got hit by how many pitches was it in the end? 100 in, in the low teens. And there was one where you thought early in the year, well, they got lucky because Pete Alonso, and I was there right behind it. It looked like he's going to be down for a long time. Ends up not being the case. When Marte gets hit and he goes out for a month, all of a sudden one of those 100-plus pitches, bad luck, and it hurts the team. Luck is... Luck is always prominent in sports. And I'll take that one a step further before we get back to the calls, 877-337-6666. Didn't you tweet about this with Marte? Wasn't there a rainout that then forced Marte, who was going to take a day off, because of the rainout, then he didn't need to I'm surprised to take... you remember that. Yeah, yeah that, no, the, I remember. The day before the game was rained out, because they ended up playing it was Tuesday, the Pirates. and then they played, right, Labor Day they got rained out, they played Tuesday, and then they played the doubleheader Wednesday, and Buck had said if the Mets played Monday, Starling Marte would have sat, and then the pitcher was Mitch Keller of the Pirates, who pitched on, ended up being pitching on Tuesday because of the rainout, would have pitched Monday. So just that entire matchup of that would batter never versus that pitcher never would have happened. So listen, of course things could have, you know, he could, sure. maybe it was, you know, de- destined to happen. Marte's going to get hit by a pitch and go down. But that exact moment we say, there's not stuff that's tangible. You don't know for sure. Well, I guarantee you that Mitch Keller wasn't starting two days in a row. Right. So he's he not wouldn't pitching have Tuesday. Them. Right. I, I remember that at bat well. Because I remember sitting there in the SNY News and watching it thinking, oh, God, that's you see him get hit on the and hand. And every Met fan, you, you had you that set, just we were waiting for that other shooter. Like, that's, this is, sooner or later, one of these hit-by-pitches, we're laughing at the shots of Buck and how annoyed mm-hmm. he is. Sooner or later, you knew one was going to cost a player. And that one did. Yeah, luck is a huge part of sports. 877-337, and really life at times, too. 877-337-6666. Mark is calling from Westchester. What's up, Mark? Hello, Sal. Uh, I'm mainly calling to argue with you a little bit about how much it might be worth to pay for Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. But first, I just want to say I really thank you for uh, uh, last night, uh, Stuart, one of the callers. Uh, yeah. You know, it's great to stick to sports, but 
now and then you really feel free to let people get into something more emotional and personal. And you had a great discussion with him. It was an offshoot of the Kyrie thing. And Stuart mentioned some personal reactions and family stuff. It was just a wonderful and heartwarming discussion. And one of the next callers, Fran, there was like a different mm-hmm. thing. It's some of the most wonderful stuff, in my little opinion, about your show, that sometimes you let things go a little off topic in that kind of way, and it's just tremendous. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. And I do recall both those calls that you were talking about with Fran in Connecticut and, uh, of course, Stewart in Brooklyn, who's regular on the show, and, and it was a different... And look, that happens, especially in the baseball offseason. And I like talking about sometimes other stuff. This is a real-life sports talk show. You are getting me essentially unfiltered. And obviously, with, with Kyrie topic, it's more than just about sports. But anyway, I appreciate you with the kind words, Mark. What's on your mind today? Yes, and uh, it's great to get to know the people more personally, and we sure get to know you. <laughs> about the uh, Otani... Uh, you know, I'm very much into the numbers and calculating values and stuff, but, you know, uh, I just wonder, is it a tenable thing from a team standpoint to have a player who's getting anywhere close to $100 million a year? Even if, let's say, on paper he's worth it, which I think, I wonder, would a team want to take a chance putting that heavy an investment into one player who might get injured maybe as an off year? But besides that, even if he's great, does it really leave room for the rest of the team to feel like they count? And we could even say, arguably, that's kind of one of the problems with the Angels, like with Trout and Otani. But I think if Otani goes somewhere and you have one guy getting $100 million, maybe that's even more of a thing. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, look, I was clearly overshooting it. And thank you for the call, Mark. Appreciate you checking in. And I appreciate the kind words. But I think it's not completely out of the realm of possibility when you think about what Otani provides whatever organization he is a part of. If you're paying pitchers of his caliber upwards of $40 million a year, if you're paying offensive players of his caliber around $35, $40 million a year, you're at nearly $80 million right there. And then think about the intangibles and the entertainment aspect and the you know level of excitement from the fan base that he brings, not to mention marketing overseas and all of that. I mean, I I think you can make a case. Now, I'm not saying he's going to get that, and I'm not saying I would necessarily give it to him, but I think you can make a case that Shohei Otani is worth $100 million a year. It sounds absurd, but if Max Scherzer or Jacob deGrom are worth $45 million a year, and Aaron Judge is worth $45 million a year. If you combine the two, that's almost $100 million a year. What do you think, Marco? How much would you pay? Well, before I ask how much would you pay for Otani, how much do you think he's worth when you actually think about it on the open market? Open market, I think he's somewhere around 55 60 I think it's more, but I don't think they would ever go above and beyond and actually count them But twice. think about the value I then. Know, I know, but I really don't think that they would ever do that. because they Who's would set- they? I don't think owners would want to set that precedent, and I don't know if agents could even convince them to to go that high. Well, but because you'd once be saying, you go there, once you set it, as much as you and yeah, I can nobody, say it's different, they won't look at it like that. But he is different. I know, but I don't think they would want to set that precedent. They'll give him more. He'll become the highest paid player, right? But not enough where it's to the point where you're actually paying twice. For the same play. I don't believe Right, that. so you're paying one for the pitching aspect and yeah, one I for... I don't think so. I mean, look, if he, even if he got $70 million a year, 
That is a tremendous amount. Right. The that, only thing that is a downside, and I don't know if this would be in the play of it, is the idea of one, you know, IL stint. You lose the both ends of the player. So it's hard to put that much money into a guy. One pulled hamstring that he's gone for a month. I lose my number one starter and my best hitter. If you were him, what would you want in free agency? Realistic, you have an agent. You see all the other contracts you're getting. You see your performance. If you're him, how do you sell yourself and what would you say you'd want? I'd probably start at 75. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, always I mean, worth 60 million. Yeah, you put yourself in issue. I'd start with 75. That's the, hey, you want to get in the, at the table? 75. I, I, again, but I don't know if owners would want to set that precedent. I don't know. Look, it only takes one. I Plus get it. the marketing aspect. I you get know how it. big baseball is. And it takes one to just to, to completely change the landscape. But I don't know if owners, they don't like to set well, that precedent really high. They I, don't like to do it. Put yourself in Steve Cohen's shoes where you've seen whoever, you know, McCann, 10 million, Cano, 25 million, right. DeGrom, 45 million. Right. Like if he's thinking, all right, Jacob DeGrom wants 45 million for five years, he's been hurt, there's risk there. Uh, we love him, but there's risk there. If I'm going to give him 45 million, why wouldn't I give Shohei, who can hit? closer to Aaron Judge and pitch similarly to DeGrom, why wouldn't I give him nearly double? Like, wouldn't that be a worthy investment if you're the owner that can afford it? I guess I could also look at the downside. He gets hurt, and you have wrapped up basically half of your payroll into one guy. But you say that with anybody. You could, you're could. you saying because it's one guy that can get it's injured as opposed to It's one guy. It's real easy to look. You play the numbers. Right. We know when any pitcher goes out there, they're one pitch away from blowing out their arm. Mm -hmm. Every hitter. I, I get all that. There's risk involved in everything. But now you're talking risk-reward. You're talking about a guy that not only has to be at the top level, he can't have a a dip in his performance, right? And he can't get hurt because I'm wrapping up really what half of my pay, quarter of my payroll, more than half. Well, than you're gonna have to have a huge payroll. Well, that's what I'm saying, but like you're you're looking at what forty five percent of my payroll See, in one guy. I don't think a team like uh, pick a team that's that's in the middle here, not at the top. Maybe the Red Sox, somebody who spends a lot, but it's not like they're gonna go overboard. I don't think a team like that, or even where he is, the they, Angels. I mean, well, uh, but I'm saying which team is. Which team it wouldn't be worth doing that for? Like the old Mets couldn't do that. A right. team, a team could spend a lot of money, but they can't miss those teams. The Mets can afford to miss. The Yankees used to be able to be afford uh, to, to miss. Right, right. Those this is teams a, that are kind of in the middle. I know, but this the is Braves may be a good example. This is Boomer Bust, though. Again, if he has the same performance that he's had the last couple of years, worth it. Right, but you don't know. It's all he dips on either end. Worse, he dips on both ends. You've put 40% of your payroll in a guy that is not having a monster season either on the mound or at the plate. It's hard to recover from that. I don't care who you are. That's a lot of money to be put into one guy who's not at the absolute top of his game or, again, injured. Fleegs, what do you think here? What would you give Otani open market? A, what would you give him? B, what do you think he's worth? Or just both? I mean, you're probably starting at like 55, 60 bare minimum just because right. the, Easily. the pitching I mean, aspect now alone is going to get, yeah, I mean, I would probably give him, like Marco said, I would start at 75. I would be willing to give him 75. If Cohen, he's, pr he's proven that he can do both and that he can stay healthy for a full season. It, you know, if he was injury prone, maybe I'd hesitate. Guys get hurt. It's just part of right. how baseball works. And Otani has also shown you, depending on the injury, if he, he gets hurt hit. as a pitcher, he can still hit. He, I think he's. I think he would get eighty million. And I think what you said earlier, the 
what it does business wise. Oh it makes the Met, it makes the Mets a global brand. Dude, oh, this yeah. town would be mm-hmm. obsessed with him. Mm-hmm. They'd be. We and talk to be fair, about a like, team like the Yankees knows that because they had Hideki Matsui. They've they've had that kind of reach before, so they're aware of it too. And he's and better. Steve Cohen knows. Right. He's better because he could pitch every fifth day and be in the lineup. He's a phenomenal. He's an attract. You know, when pitchers, it's tough. We say they can't bring people as great as Jacob Degrom has been the last few years in 2018 and 2019. He's not putting people in the seats right. every single game. He's only a draw one out of every five days. Otani's getting them there every single day. And to your point, you make the Mets a globally known team. What does that do for their future? Where people say, oh, I grew up watching the Mets and Shohei Otani, and I want to be there. It builds the brand. And the next kid that gets posted by his team you know, overseas in Japan, wherever, says, I want to be a Met because I watched Shohei Otani be a Met and maybe win there for however many years. Oh, if they win, that's the, I mean, that's the kicker. Let's get to free agency. Now, what I don't know his contract says. He's got one year left? Yeah, he's got this, two. Year, this, this year's it. And they just said, Andy Martino reported the Angels are not likely to trade him or they're not considering trading him anytime soon. I guess it's a possibility at the trade deadline. And remember, that he's going to be a rental at that point. So it's not like you're going to have to give up. Put it this way. I, I know this, and I don't know it for a fact, but I, I know it in my gut based on common sense and in my gut. When, if and when he becomes available, he will be the Mets' top target. They are going no to, doubt. They are going to... Do whatever it takes to get him. Now, I, I, will, I firmly believe that. I agree with you. I also think that's the first time that you're going to go all out in this city. That'll be a Yankee Met. They will go back Ooh, and forth. baby. Absolutely. That is not because something. That's, that's the one guy that the Yanks will spend on. There's no way that the Yankees, that they would open up the purse for that one. See, I, and I think the Mets would lose that because I think Otani, being the guy that he is and, and where he grew up following Hideki Matsui, the global brand that the Yankees were, knowing to the point before, if Otani were to go to the Mets and make them then a globally right. branded team, people like Otani from other markets or whatever would then learn what the Mets are. Mm-hmm. Well, he did that with the Yankees, I'm sure. Now, I know he didn't want to come to the Yankees at he first. He didn't want to come to the East Coast. Well, that's the thing. Right. So it wasn't just the Yankees specifically. So if you had to choose between the Mets and Yankees and all things equal, he's going to choose the team that... I'm sure he knew more so than the Mets because the Yankees were a global brand. Somehow he'll end up with the Mariners following in the step footsteps of Ichiro, and yeah, we'll miss right. that. New yeah. York will miss out on him again. I mean, that's a, and that's a West Coast thing. So if he wants to stay on the West Coast and Seattle, I mean, who knows? Well, they there's nothing him. you could do about it. Right, that, that's though. what it is. If he winds up Yankees and Mets, though, but he, look, I can give you the other side of that. Does he want to follow in the footsteps of everybody else that's picked the Yankees, or does he want to create be a trailblazer? Create his own path and, and be the only guy that went to the other side of town and make the Mets the household name. And maybe meet with the owners. And right. if he likes one better than the other, hey, you know what the hell with the pitch? You, you know who we might need to get involved there? Bobby V. Does post-game stuff for the Angels. Uh, sure might, might need him greasing those wheels. You got to play for the Mets, man. This is a great organization. I have to tell you the Bobby V story. Which one? I, I was, um, I've, to- I've said the story on the air before, I think. I was... At Shea Stadium, and you know, in my younger days, we used to go get autographs back by the parking lot at Shea. Right. And then we were coming around. You remember Shea, right? Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. layout. So you come off the subway or whatever, and then there's that parking lot, the player's parking lot. And then you start walking around toward the old ticket window and, and toward then the front of the stadium where, I forget, the the Diamond Club entrance, whatever it was. And I'm, I see Bobby Valentine, and I'm running from like halfway it, it would be where the equivalent of, like, kind of right field slash first base side, running halfway to kind of then home plate side to meet Bobby V. 
And I was, I used to be fat back in the day. I was probably 30 pounds heavier than what I am now, maybe even more. And I was running to get Bobby V's autograph and I give him my hat and I'm, hey, Bobby, can you please sign my hat? (laughs) He looks at me in typical Bobby V fashion. Hey, daddy getting cheap, my man. Got to get in shape. And you did. Bobby, and I did, exactly. (laughs) Who knew? But I'm thinking, Bobby, I'm not playing center for you tonight. I'm sitting in the upper level. Just sign the damn hat. I was going to say, you got a fat shaming kid? Just sign the hat? (laughs) What are we doing? And he didn't just say it. He looked, you know that Bobby V look, looked me up and down. And there were all the people around. I was embarrassed. Got to get in shape, my man. Hey, Bobby, you know, last I checked, this was probably, what year could this have been? 98, something like that. Maybe it was even 97. Bobby, last I checked, your team is not very good. I got to get in shape. How about you guys can give them 500 before you start insulting me? Uh, you know what? How about you go take out Nolan Ryan out of a game and not send your pitching coach <laughs> out there, Bobby? How about that? You worried about my shape. Why don't you uh, worry about your own pitchers? Mm, got to get in shape, my man. Screw you, Bobby. No, he's actually, whatever. I've met him since plenty of times, but that one always sticks with me. That and Tim McCarver one time. Tim McCarver, who I grew up idolizing. I loved him as a broadcaster. Tim McCarver, great Mets broadcaster, whatever. And I saw him, same place, coming into the Shea Stadium and had a blue Mets hat. That's, you know, this was before the black hats. It was just a regular Mets hat. And I don't care. Like, I'm not trying to sell the hat or whatever. Hey, Tim, can you sign my hat? A blue pen. I had a blue Sharpie. A blue pen on a blue hat. Who's going to see that? He would not sign the hat. (laughs) I was like, what do you mean who's going to see it? It's for me. Like, I'm going to – I've had multiple people sign this hat. I still have it. Like, Fran Healy, whoever. Like, I just – a blue pen on a blue... Really? Who's going to see that? And then he had a book out. And he goes, see the book? He was holding the book. There was, there was a bunch of people around. See the book? Buy it. And started walking. Like, he was hawking his book and would not sign my hat. Wow. Tim McCarver. I know. Wow. Probably the only time I was ever denied, I think, for an autograph. <laughs> Flat out just denied. A blue pen on a blue... <laughs> and I'll take it a step further. <laughs> it bothered me so much, I called Mike and the Mad Dog. Mike goes, next time, bring a different color hat. <laughs> Not a different color pen, yeah, different color say, hat. Yeah, right. Jeez. No. Probably like, easier to find a different color pen. hat next time? I mean, yeah, what right. are we doing? All right, one of those like white variant hats. Remember the Mets used to have that? That's what it was at the time. Next time, bring a different hat. Yeah. Anyway, there you have it. Some what did dog story. say? Hall, uh, Hall of Famer dog. It, it might have been. Maybe it was on a Sunday show. I don't know. I don't remember dogs saying it. Hey, wow, that's a funny story. <laughs> hey, hey, McCarver, jeez, Mike. You think you'd be nice to the kid. Say, yeah. what do you care if he can see it or not? Well, that's Just the sign point. And move on. Right, he's going to sit in his closet at home. <laughs> right. Who cares? Now, who's going to see that? A blue pen on a blue hat. You're not going to remember 30 seconds from now. What do you care? Right? <laughs> like, just sign the hat, Tim. And, like, I was more into the broadcasters than, than the players to a certain extent. Tim McCarver, like. Or just if you think it's going to be funny, he's not going to see. Just grab the pen and like draw like two overlapping circles. Don't even give your signature. Right? He's not going to know anyway. And sometimes Have some fun with it. You guys would sign underneath the bill anyway on the white side of it. Like I've had a bunch of guys right, do right. that. Yeah, he just wouldn't sign it. See the book? Buy it. I was like, what a bleep. <laughs> what a bleep. Uh, I wish I could find that wow. tape of when I called him. Think how stupid I was. McCarver, stiff arm shit. Bobby Valentine, yeah. fat change. Yeah. Not cool, yeah, man. what the hell? What's going <laughs> on cool. here? I was getting never I meet mean, your heroes, folks. I can't stop getting ripped. I was getting Jeez. ripped since the '90s. Now it's on Twitter every day. I mean, I say an opinion, I get criticized. Back then, I get criticized for my weight. Right? What color pen I'm trying to get? Uh, what a mess. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.